Hey gang, it's Gregory Dickow, and thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. And some of you may know this month, October 2018, we're celebrating 25 years as a church and ministry. And I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has supported this ministry through your listening, through your giving, through your prayers. And in the spirit of celebrating all that God has done in and through our ministry, I thought it'd be fun to share some throwback messages, some vintage teaching and revelation that has launched us further into God's purpose for Life Changers and Gregory Dickow Ministries. I know you're really gonna be blessed, check it out. There's something that I wanna ask of you today. I really want to ask you something really important, and that is, I'm gonna ask you to be bold today. I'm gonna ask you to dare to believe. I'm gonna ask you to dare to expect more in your life of God's favor and blessing than you have ever expected in your life. I'm gonna ask today that you dare to believe for all that God has for you. I mean that, Lord, I don't even know all that you have for me and my family and my destiny and the calling of God upon my life. I don't know all of it, but I want all of it. Anybody with me? You know, there's a a scripture that Jesus said, have you ever ever prayed like this? Because some of us have. I know I, I prayed like this in the past when I didn't understand prayer, where I would pray, God, show me what you want me to do so I can decide if I'm going to do it. Maybe you didn't use those exact words, but that was your attitude, right? Lord, show me what you want me to do. I, in other words, I need to see it first. I need to understand it first so that I can then decide if I want to do it. But Jesus said, and I believe it's in John chapter 7, and don't quote me on this, but you can look it up later, Google it or whatever. John chapter seven, verse 17, Jesus said, if you want to know my teaching, whether it's of God or not, first, he says, are you willing to do it? In other words, he says, you gotta be willing to do it first. If anyone wants to do his will, he shall know. Um, Maybe this isn't the exact translation that I've used, but it, it literally is translated as, if you want to know what God wants you to do, are you willing to do it? Sometimes we're not willing to do it until we hear it first. Well, Lord, show me what your will is for my life. And then let's say that, you know, God wants you to become a missionary to Africa, a missionary to India. And you're like, show me, Lord, what you want me to do as long as it's not being a missionary to Africa or India. Like my wife, before we met, she said, Lord, show me my husband and who he's supposed to be, and who he, who he's, who he's supposed to be. Not, well, who he's supposed to be. I'm still becoming who I'm supposed to be. But she said, um, Lord, show me who my husband's supposed to be as long as he's not a pastor or an evangelist with black hair. <laughs> Ouch. We need to be willing to do it before we know it. Because we'll never really know it if we're not first willing to do it. Are you with me so far? Now, I'm going to ask you to do something today. I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to be daring. I'm going to ask you, like Captain Kirk said, to go where no man has gone before. I mean, where you are out there 
willing to be bold and daring with God to where it almost seems like you're asking for too much. Now, you cannot ask for too much because Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 says everybody knows this. And if you don't, you probably heard it. It says God is able to do exceeding abundantly above and beyond all that you can ask or think according to the power that works within him. Oh, man. In other words, God is not limited if you're not limited. But if we're limited in our asking, God's limited in his doing. If we're limited in our asking, God's limited in his performing. If we're limited in our boldness to ask, then we're limiting God to do above and beyond what he what we can ask or think. You see, we drive the train or we drive the bus of what God is able to do in our lives by based on what we ask him to do. How bold are we going to be to go where no man has gone before? How daring are we going to be today? I mean, if you've been asking God to meet your needs, ask him to meet your needs and all your family's needs. If you're if you're bold enough to ask him to to heal your body, ask him to heal everybody's body that you're ever going to come in contact with so that when you pray for them, you expect them to be healed, too. In other words, we've got to be boldly asking for more and more and more and more. And it might sound greedy, but it's not. And I'm going to prove it to you in the Bible. Are you ready for that? Jesus didn't. The, doesn't the Bible say you have not because you ask not? I'm going to ask you to be bold today. I'm going to ask you to believe that this blessed life we've been talking about. I'm going to ask you to believe a few things about it. And th these are real simple. And then I'll get into the, the text of the teaching. But I'm going to ask you to believe that. The blessed life is God's idea. When God created Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter one, it says the first thing he did after he created them, verse 28, and he blessed them. The first thing he did after he created them was he blessed them. He empowered them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. Does this sound like a God who's limited? Does this sound like a God who wants his people limited? Man, he wants you to be blessed, to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue the earth, to have dominion in the earth. God did not create us to be dominated by anything. He created us to dominate the devil and dominate fear and dominate anxiety and dominate poverty and dominate sickness and dominate over sin and not be dominated by a thing in this world. And the blessing is the secret to the dominion that God wants you to walk in. The blessing is the secret to the fruitfulness that God wants you to walk in. The blessing is the secret to being to multiplying yourself in this life, to filling the earth like he created you to, to have dominion in this life. The blessing is the secret to experience all that God has for you and all that God wants you to do. So I want you to see, number one, the blessed life that we're talking about is God's idea. Number two, the blessed life is God's will for your life. And number three, the blessed life is essential to fulfill God's purpose for your life. In other words, we would never send a soldier. Our nation would never send a soldier into battle without giving him the equipment that he needs to win that battle. 
or to give him a reasonable chance to win that battle, right? We're not sending our soldiers into, into battle without, without guns, without protection, without helmets, without training, without equipment. We equip our soldiers to handle their situation and any situation that they potentially might face to handle it with ability, to handle it with power, to handle it with the blessing of our government and the blessing of this nation. Our nation blesses our soldiers with the power to do what we have assigned them and what they volunteered to do and what we have commissioned them to go into the world and do for us. They cannot do it without the blessing of this nation, which means that we have given them the right equipment to do it. And God doesn't call you to do anything in life without giving you the equipment to do it. God doesn't ask you to do anything in this world without giving you the equipment to do it. And the equipment is the blessing. This blessed life is essential for us to be able to do what God's called us to do. How can we reach the world if we're not blessed with his wisdom, if we're not blessed with his ability, if we're not blessed with his goodness, if we're not blessed with his favor, if we're not blessed with his spirit, if we're not blessed with his gifts, if we're not blessed with his anointing, if we're not blessed with his power, we cannot fulfill the assignment that each of us has been given by God and every one of us has been given an assignment and our journey is to discover that assignment, to develop in that assignment and then to complete that assignment before the Lord returns. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. So this blessed life is God's idea, number one. This blessed life is God's will, number two. This blessed life is necessary to fulfill his purpose and this blessed life is your right as a child of God. It's your right as a child of God. You know, remember in Luke chapter 13, that woman that was bent over for 18 years, she was in that condition, and Jesus quoted T.D. Jakes and said, woman, thou art loosed. <laughs> and she stood up for the first time straight after 18 years being bent double over. Listen. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus said about that woman when they criticized him for healing her on the Sabbath, he said, this woman is a daughter of Abraham, therefore she has every right to be healed on the Sabbath day. She's a daughter of Abraham. The Bible says in Galatians 3.29, if we belong to Christ, we're Abraham's seed. We're heirs according to the promises of God. Whatever, God, whatever promise God made to Abraham, he made it to you also. And you have every right, you have every right to this blessed life. It's your right as a child of God. To as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. He gave them the power to be blessed. He gave them the power to fulfill their God-ordained purpose in life. Are you with me still? In Hebrews chapter 4, it says this in verse 16. And I want to read this to you and then we're going to go to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Um, but in Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 16... Paul the Apostle, the writer of the book of Hebrews, says this, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Let me ask you something. There is not just a direction of where to go, 
He's telling us to go to the throne of grace when we have any need at all. To go to the throne of grace. He's not just telling us where to go. He's not just telling us what kind of throne God sits on, a throne of grace. But he also is telling us how to go. He said, let us go boldly. Or in this, in this tense, he says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. He doesn't say come sheepishly. He doesn't co say come ashamed. He doesn't say come begging. He says come boldly. Now we should not come boldly if he doesn't tell us to come boldly. But if he tells us to come boldly, then let us come boldly to honor the Lord. Because why can we come boldly? Because the Bible says we've been washed by the blood of Jesus. So as far as God is concerned, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, as far as God is concerned, we're as washed and as holy as Jesus is in God's eyes. Therefore, we have the right to have access to God's throne of grace to receive from him. We have the same right as if it was Jesus himself coming to the throne of God's grace to receive from him. Amen. We have that right because we've been washed. We have that right because we've been cleansed. We have that right because of the blood of the lamb. Can anybody say amen? amen. Now listen, this is important because he says, let us come boldly. So I'm asking you to be bold today. I'm challenging you to be bold today. I'm asking you to dare. Anybody ever play the game truth or dare when you were a kid uh, or spin the bottle or whatever, you, you know, anybody even know what I'm talking about? Some of those old games. That's not the same thing, but they were all, you know, we played all the games the same night. And <laughs> have you ever been dared to do something? You know, some, when somebody says, I dare you to do it, there's, isn't there something inside of you that's like, okay, man, I'm ready to do Oh, man, I want to do it. And then fear stops you or getting in trouble stops you. But there's something inside of us that wants to dare and wants to go beyond and wants to believe for bigger things than what we're experiencing right now. There's something inside of us that is hungry for more. There's something inside of us that knows this is not all there is. There's something inside of us that's so just like ready to just, oh, just go for it and receive everything that God has. And that's why he said we need to have confidence to enter boldly by the blood of Jesus and come to the throne of his grace to receive mercy and grace in our time of need. Now, I'm going to tell you something about the blessed life, and then I'll show you. Go, you can go to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And on our way over there, go to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. I want to teach you out of that passage a little bit as well. But I want to remind you that this blessed life is a choice. Jesus has done his part. He shed his blood on the cross to deliver you from sin, from the power of the devil, and to deliver you from the curse of the law. But now it's up to you if you want to walk in that blessing. It's a choice that we make in life to choose the blessing or the cursing. Now, Jesus already paid for the curse to, for us to be delivered from the curse, but we can stay in our confinement. We can stay in our little prison of mediocrity if we choose to, but make no mistake about it. It is not God's will for you to stay in your prison of mediocrity or your prison of sickness or your prison of victimization or your prison of abuse or your prison of addiction or whatever prison that you were born into. The Lord wants you to know that you can choose to break out of it today. He already paid the price for it, but then in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 through 17, he says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, you choose. 
It's your choice. Didn't he say that? He said, it's your choice. I've set before you life and death, life and good, death and evil, blessing and cursing. Verse 16, 17 goes on to say, and he said, man, it is up to you. It is up to us to choose blessing or choose cursing. Choose this day. Man, today is the day that I choose to walk in the fullness of God's blessing in my life. And I'm going to dare to believe for every bit of it. I'm going to dare to believe that it's God's will for me. I'm going to dare to believe that I need it so that I can do what God's called me to do. And I'm going to dare to believe that it's my right as a child of God to walk in all of God's power, all of God's authority. And I'm going to walk in the I'm going to walk in the same power that those boys walked in when they healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed the lepers and cast out demons. Freely we've received, freely give. That's the power and the blessing that we're supposed to be walking in. Amen. Amen. We're not supposed to walk into a situation and be afraid. We're supposed to walk into a situation and transform the atmosphere. That's what God's created us to do. We're the transformers. We're the real transformers. Every movie idea, every superhero idea, every Marvel idea, every comic strip idea, every idea that's ever come about superheroes came from the Bible first because the Bible says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, he's a part of a new species of being. We're super, superhumans in Christ. We're born into his power. We're sons of God. We're not just sons of men anymore. We're sons of God now. We're made in his image. You might... You might on the outside, you might look like your mother or father, but on the inside, you look like your heavenly father. Amen. Now. Now I'm making a choice. It's the blessed life is a choice. I want you to get that. It's a choice. And I am choosing to expect to walk in this every day of my life. You know, we talked a little bit about the power of expectation. I shared with you some some illustrations about the power of expectation a few weeks ago. But did you know, and this will confirm some of what we've said, but studies show that when, just as an example for teachers in a school, studies show that when a teacher's primary role is to set high expectations in their students, believing in them and getting their students to believe in themselves, they constantly and consistently achieve more when the teacher's primary role is to set high expectations and believe that those children can meet those high expectations. When a teacher sets low expectations, studies show that students perform poorly or more poorly because of the expectations that the teacher has of that student and that the teacher teaches that student what to expect. And if you just say, well, that that student has this disability or this disability, and so they're limited, then they're going to become limited based on your expectation of them, not based on their full potential. Did you know that the term self-fulfilling prophecy, has anybody ever heard of the term self-fulfilling prophecy? That means you can talk yourself into failure. You can talk yourself into defeat. You can talk yourself into getting sick. Oh, man, you know what? Whenever February rolls around, I always get sick. About February 12th, I always get sick. Valentine's Day ain't Valentine's Day for me, man. That's sickness day for me. I always get sicker on Valentine's Day, man. And you know what? If you talk like that, you will defeat yourself. You will bring to pass your own prophecy. 
If you talk about your marriage, man, my marriage stinks, my husband's fat, my wife is, smells, my, you know, my kids are rats. I just tell you, my life stinks, man. I, it's terrible. My, my marriage is over. You could be married still, but you're declaring my marriage is over. My marriage is over. My marriage is over. It amazes me how many people come in who's, who I've counseled and they said, our marriage is over. And I'm like, wait, where's your marriage license? Oh, here it is. Well, it says to me, you're married. Oh, yeah, but our marriage is over. Wait a second. Your marriage is not over. Stop prophesying your own destruction. Stop prophesying your own failure. Well, our marriage is over. Our marriage is over the day that guy stabbed me in the back. My marriage is over the day that lady did it. You know what you're doing? You're acting like a prophet. It's just that you're a false one. But, you know, even when you speak negative things over your life, you have the power to bring those things to pass. It's self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, let me explain something. Most people don't know this, but the term self-fulfilling prophecy was coined in 1948 by an educator. And what they meant when they coined the phrase was students perform in ways in which teachers expect. Students perform in ways that the teachers expect. I'm going somewhere with this. I know you're wondering where. So am I. Because, because the teachers thought the students would be successful, the students became successful. That's self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, 1 Chronicles chapter 14, why am I saying that? Because we've got to raise our expectation. We've got to expect more. We've got to expect the best. We've got to expect that, man, God means what he says. In 1 Chronicles chapter 4, let me show you something. First Chronicles, can anybody, is anybody there yet? Because I'm still looking for it. First Chronicles chapter 4. Anybody know what page it's on? Look at this. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9. And he says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Because I bore him in pain. Jabez. Jabez is a cool name on the outside. Doesn't it sound kind of cool? It sounds like something you could tattoo on your arm or tattoo on your butt or something and just be like, Jabez, man. Jabez. It sounds cool. But it means pain. It means pain. And can you imagine Jabez? Now, look, I'm not immune to having my name be made fun of growing up. I can't even get into some of the names that I've been called. Okay? But I can imagine Jabez called pain by his mother. Hey, pain. Come on down for dinner. Man, hey, pain in, the, in my rear. Get over here, pain. And every time she called him, she was reminding him of the pain that he brought. And she was reminding him of the pain that she endured to have him. Anybody got a mother like that? Let's not go there. Let's just keep moving in the spirit, right? Pain. She called him pain. Now it said, 
and it's believed that she called him pain for two reasons. Because obviously she had a difficult childbirth. She had a difficult pregnancy and a difficult birth. And, um, and that caused pain. But it's also believed that her husband died around the time of Jabez's birth. And so she has the pain of being a single mother. She has the pain of having to raise this child by herself. She has the pain of having to remember every time she looks at this child, she's reminded of her husband that she loved who's no longer in her life. And he's dead and she's alone and she's got to take care of everything herself. And she's got to raise him. So he, he was a constant reminder of the pain of her loss, the sorrow of what she went through, the sorrow of not having a husband anymore, not having his father around. And so we can identify with this story, I think, because we live in a generation and a culture where there are a ton of ladies that have to be single parents and even guys at times have to be single parents, too. But it can be painful and it can cause it can be very difficult. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I want you to understand that we all have pain. We, he was called pain, but we all have pain. And the reason why I say that is because how we look at the pain that we have had in our lives and what we do with the pain we have in our lives is what makes the difference in our lives. The pain we have is not what makes the difference in our lives because everybody has some sort of pain. Whether you grew up in a home that's abusive, whether you grew up to alcoholic parents, whether you grew up in a drug-infested culture, whether you grew up without love, whether you grew up in a single-parent home, whether you grew up without parents at all, whether you grew up and there was crime in your family or crime in your neighborhood or crime in your relatives, whatever situation you grew up, we all grew up with some sort of pain. We were all born in pain. And you see, it's not the pain that determines the outcome of our life, but it's how we look at it and how we deal with it that determines the outcome of our life. And so here when we have Jabez, who's born in pain and surrounded by pain and is in living in pain because of his upbringing and living in pain because of his name and living in pain because of, of what his mother has gone through, you can imagine that he felt perhaps what other people feel and he could identify and empathize with people that were in pain. So I want you to see this. She called him pain. And we have to realize the pain in our life can make us bitter or as the cliche goes, it can make us better. That's the choice that we make today. You must make a choice about the pain in your life. You must make a choice about the pain that has been brought to you and the pain that you've caused. Will, you make it bit, will, will it make you bitter or will it make you better? What will you become? Here's the question to ask yourself. What will you become because of the pain that you've endured? What will you become? Now notice what it says about Jabez. In verse 9 it says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Now here he was given this name, pain. He was surrounded by pain and sorrow. But the Bible describes him as more honorable than his brothers. Now here's the key to how we're going to experience this blessed life. We have to make a choice of what we're going to do about the pain in our life. And we have to make a choice about who we're going to become. Are we going to become more honorable? Are we going to become dishonorable? Well, the word honorable here means courage. It means understanding, and it means one who rises above his circumstances. So it says that Jabez 
was more honorable than his brothers, more courageous than his brothers, had more understanding than his brothers, and he rose above his circumstances more than his brothers. And we have to recognize, if we're going to live this blessed life, it's going to be because we're honorable people. We're people that we're not afraid to take risks. We're not afraid to be bold. We're not afraid to ask God. We're not afraid to step out of our comfort zone. We're not afraid to be different than how we grew up. We're not afraid to be better than how we grew up. We're not afraid to, to, to break out of our box of mediocrity, to break out of our box of limitations, to break out of the box of what people defined us as because when people define us, they confine us. What defines you confines you. So we need to redefine ourselves and no longer allow anybody to define us by our pain. And we must not define ourselves by our pain because you have a choice to be a victim or a man or woman of honor. You can say my pain makes me a victim and I'm always going to be in pain and I'm always going to hurt and people are always going to hurt me and I'm always going to be surrounded with rejection and people are always going to disappoint me and they're always going to fail me and they're always going to let me down. And what you're doing is you're allowing your pain to turn you into a victim or you can say, no matter how much pain that I've had in my life, I am not going to let that pain define me. I am going to be courageous to ask God boldly. I'm going to be bold to go to him and ask him for anything that he says I can. I'm going to break out of those, those, those containments that people have put on me, that my pain has put on me, that my past has put upon me. I'm going to rise above my circumstances because God said, whatever dies will rise again. And I've died a thousand deaths because of the pain that I felt, but I will rise again a thousand and one times. If you rise, a th if you fall a thousand, you'll rise a thousand and one. If you fall six times, you'll rise seven times. You'll always rise one more time than you fall when you know, when you know who you are in Christ and you refuse to let your pain define you and confine you. We've got to choose what kind of person we're going to be, just like our friend Jephthah that you heard me talk about over you know, many weeks, months ago that he was the son of a harlot, but he was a mighty man of valor. You have to make a choice. Are you going to be the person that God says you are or be the person that your pain says you are? The pain that defines you in your past can no longer be the choice that you live by and becoming a victim of that pain anymore. It's time to be healed. Jesus bore our pain so we don't have to live in our pain. Now, I'm going to show you something. When you have had some pain and when you have been surrounded with pain and when you make up your mind, I'm choosing the blessed life and I'm going to rise above this pain. Now you're ready for verse 10. Everybody's heard verse 10 before, right? First Chronicles four, verse 10. Now Jacob or excuse me, now Jabez is about to pray. I'll tell you something. You can't really pray until you feel some pain. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's many religious prayers when you haven't had any pain. Oh, God, thank you that I am so good and I have been so blessed and I am not like these people. But you will never pray with power until you pray from pain. 
you will never experience the power of this blessed life that God created you for until you pray from pain, until you pray out of pain. And I mean that in two ways to pray out of pain. That means I pray from that pain and I pray through it and out of that pain. But you you can't you can't pray with power without some pain first. You said, think about it until it hurts. You usually don't do anything about it until something hurt. How many know that until that can of peas or that can of green beans hit me that my wife threw at me in our first year of marriage? <laughs> until that umbrella pierced my arm. I didn't take any steps towards having a better marriage. Sometimes pain is good for you. Now, don't get me wrong. And, you know, I'm exaggerating a little. The, the, the can missed. The umbrella did not, but the can missed just to you know, clear the air. That pain caused me to pray. Oh, God, annulment. <laughs> Deliver me from this evil woman, evil woman. No, I'm just kidding. Jabez is now positioned to say, I am I am in pain and I am now ready to pray from a heart that's hungry. And notice how he prayed. So Jabez called on the God of Israel and said, oh, oh, you cannot read this verse and be like, oh, <laughs> this is not written in Brita, you know, in a British, you know, accent. Oh, <laughs> this is oh, God, that you might bless me. Indeed, this is the cry of a hurting heart that knows a thing or two about pain. Oh, God, bless me. Do you see, you can't be praying this prayer passively. Oh, God, bless me indeed. This is, oh, God, your life is Stunk. Oh, the pain I feel. Bless me. And then he says that you would bless me. See, this protects you from expecting it from people. He said, oh, that you would bless me. I'm not waiting for anybody to bless me. I'm not waiting for anybody to meet my needs. I'm not waiting for anybody to fill that lonely hole in my heart. Only Jesus can fill it. I'm not waiting for anybody to take care of my needs, meet my needs. I am but trusting that he will bless me. Oh, God, that you would bless me. And let me tell you something about 
Uh, let me tell you when he's praying this way. Oh, that you would bless me. What, what does that remind me of? It reminds me of James chapter five, verse 16, where it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. This is not a fervency that you work up. You say, OK, I got to get it really hot. I got to get really hot about this. I got to get really fervent about that. Oh, in order for me to have effective prayer, I got to be really fervent. This is not something you can manufacture. This is something that is born automatically out of pain. When you're hurting, you are going to pray with fervency. When you have all your needs met, you're not going to pray with with fire. You're not going to pray with passion when you're when everything is good in your life. You're not going to pray with power. You're going to just you're just going to pray because it's the religious ritual that you're doing. I don't believe in ritual. I want to pray. I, I embrace my pain. I embrace all my pains in the neck. I embrace all the people that cause me pain. And if you're sitting here today, thank you for causing me pain in my life. Thank you because I receive it. Now, why do I receive it? Because that makes me have to face the real needs in my life so that I can be affected by what I'm going through so I can go to God with passion and be like, oh, God, bless me and get me out of this situation and heal me and deliver me. But you will never you will never pray with that kind of raw honesty when you're just so holy. No, I no, I know they didn't hurt me. Yes, they did. No, that didn't hurt me. Yes, it, sticks and stones can't break my bones, can break my bones, but names will never. Yes, names hurt you, especially when you're called pain growing up. <laughs> Let me tell you something. There's this raw, there's this, this, this rawness. Oh, God. Praying from pain produces power that brings you into God's purpose. And it's OK to feel it and not pretend that you don't hurt, but don't stay hurt. Pray through it, pray from it, and God will do something amazing in your life. And what does he pray in the midst of his pain? Oh, God. First Chronicles four, verse 10. Oh, that you would bless me. The first thing we need to pray when we're hurting when we discover our pain, when we identify our pain, listen, identify your pain, but don't identify with it. Don't allow it to define you. Identify this hurts, this causes me pain, but I'm not going to let it define me and confine me. I'm going to pray out of it by, by praying, Lord, bless me indeed. The blessed life begins with a choice. I'm choosing this blessed life. The blessed life begins with choosing the kind of person you're going to be. No matter what pain you've had, you're not going to be a victim of it the rest of your life. The blessed life begins with prayer, praying for that blessing out of the pain that you feel. We must have God's blessing on our lives to do what God has called us to do. Jesus said, pray and ask and keep on asking and don't ever stop asking because God wants you to ask and God will do exceeding abundantly above and beyond all that you can ask or think. Amen. Amen. It's time to break out of our limitations and into our breakthrough. And the second thing he says is enlarge my territory, enlarge my borders. Lord, I want more of what you have for me. Jabez was responsible for Israel and the Canaanites were coming in and trying to reshape 
Israel and and Jabez was saying, I don't want the Canaanites to reshape Israel. I want Israel to reshape the Canaanites. I want, Lord, what you've done in my life to spread. I want it to grow. I want it to expand. It's time to expand. It's time to grow. It's time for you to grow as a person out of your boundaries, out of your borders, out of your territory that's limiting you, out of your coast. It's time for you to go from east to west, from north to south. It's time for you to expect to expand and be enlarged by God, that he enlarges you in your spiritual life and you get promoted in the church, that he enlarges you in your financial life and you get promoted at work, that he enlarges you in your in your thought life and you're able to think beyond wherever you've been before and you're not going to be defined by the pictures of your past, by the pain of your past or by the people of your past. Those pictures and those people and that pain is working overtime to define you and confine you. But you've got to say, no, God, bless me. God, enlarge me. God, expand me. God, take me beyond where I've ever been before. And oh, he says that your hand would be upon me. The hand of God represents several things. The hand of God represents his authority. God, I want to be under your authority and I don't want to get out from under your authority. Number two, it means God's hand means God's provision. God, I want your provision. I need your provision. And God's hand means God's means God's anointing. His hand, they laid hands on them. The anointing flowed through the laying on of hands. God's hand means God's anointing. And that means I cannot do what God's called me to do without his hand upon my life, his authority upon my life, his anointing upon my life and his provision for my life. Everything that comes from God's hand, it's his anointing, it's his authority and it's his provision. And we cannot fulfill God's purpose for our lives without his authority, his anointing and his provision in our lives. Oh, that your hand would be would be with me. And then he says, and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. Now notice he begins to pray about the impact that he's going to have. By the way, when we say enlarge our territory, we're asking God to give us more influence in our workplace, more influence in our family, more influence in our spiritual life, more influence in our church, more influence in the world. And oh, that you would keep me from evil, that I might not cause pain. You see, he's saying, I don't want to be the cause of pain in anybody else's life. So deliver me from evil. Jesus said to pray that way, deliver us from evil, deliver me from the wrong people, surround me with the right people, deliver me from the wrong desires, surround me with the right desires, deliver me from the wrong decisions and surround me with the right ones. And so God granted him what he requested. Don't you love that part? God gave him what he asked for. And you know what? If you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's seed and he'll give you what you ask for, too ask for whatever he said you could ask for. And he said we could ask for these things, because if we weren't supposed to ask for these things, he wouldn't have granted them to Jabez. And if he granted them to Jabez, he has blood sworn that he will grant them to you, too. Once again, I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast and for your support of this ministry. We couldn't do it without you. I'd love it if you shared this podcast with a friend. Drop a rating if you've been blessed by listening to it. And I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me a message on Facebook or Twitter. Until next time, God loves you and so do I. God bless.